0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of MVP where we talk about all things Music Box. That is, you know us, the Music Box Theater in your Chicago, or if you're not in Chicago, hello from wherever you are, and I think you remember a little bit about the Music Box. On today's show, we're going to talk with Claire and Andy about uh, some great stuff. We're going to talk about Pick Up the Litter, Universal Horror, and Let the Corpses Tan. And then, you know, probably talk about some other movies and, you know, get into advance notice and some other things. But uh, you know what? We should all introduce ourselves. And since I'm the one already talking, I'll just start. It's Ryan O'Strike. I am the general manager of the theater and, of course, your loyal host, unless I take the week off. Uh, but I'm always pretty much uh, in your feed of your podcast. And we also have...
1: Claire Alden. i um, the members- membership and group sales manager. Hello again, all of you listeners. Um, yeah. This is my busy time right now.
0: And I'm pulling you into my world. Yeah. (laughs) And we have a first-time podcast
2: guest. Hi. Hi. I'm uh, Andy Stasulis, for those who don't know this disembodied voice. (laughs) uh, I'm a... Full-time faculty member at DePaul University's School of Cinematic Arts, and I've been graciously invited to speak with uh, Ryan and Claire here. I'm very excited.
0: Well, welcome, Andy. Thank you for coming on, Claire. Uh, I promise to make this as long as I possibly can, just because you're busy. Great. And Thanks. Andy, you've got time. <laughs> you just told me you had nothing to do all afternoon, <laughs> so you're you're all gonna just settle in. <clears throat> See, we all got our we got our got our drinks here. Uh, nobody's drinking alcohol today. It's just no. all delicious. Uh, uh, warmer beverages because it is, uh, it feels like it's fall. I mean, it's technically fall because, you know, we've we've have the, uh, is it the equinox that's in the fall? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Yeah, because the solstice. Yeah, so it's the fall equinox has come. The days are getting shorter. There's cool air. I love the fall. And I also love all the things that come with the month of October. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into all that horror stuff. So what are we currently playing? Well, we've got uh, our 70-millimeter film festival. It rages on. Um, It will end on Thursday, September 27th. But, boy, it's been uh, a great 10 days that we've had so far. Uh, We've had some sellout audiences. I would say the most bummed-out people I have seen at the theater for a long time. And usually I go – I bend over backwards, as you know, Claire, to make good customer service. Oh, yeah. Um, But this group of people, I couldn't do anything for We sold out the thing. Um, and we turned away, I personally probably turned away a hundred people. Oh my God. Um, and they were like, they were like hanger honors, you know, like people like straggling and being like, um, so I'm just going to sit over here in the corner (laughs) and you know, when you come on a ticket or when somebody says they're selling a ticket, you're just gonna let me know. Right. And there were a few of them that I made their night. Got them in, yeah. So, um, but other than that, like literally, that theater was so packed. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, um, you could get in, mm-hmm. uh, and so I just, I just kind of scratched my head and I said, okay, uh, the thing has a huge following. We oh, need yeah. to bring it back. Yeah. Um and so I was here for that night and it was people, really and people didn't
1: mind the, the print was a little bit faded but yeah they... so
0: so we didn't know this because you know when you get these 70 millimeter prints you don't get a full inspection report and something we actually like to do as projectionists uh, and I'm speaking for the projection team is we write out an inspection report on every film and then we'll make a copy of it so we'll have it for our records so in case you ever want to know how a movie played like how it looked you can contact us but we'll also put it in the box mm-hmm. so when you open up the box you already have a, an inspection report ready to go right uh, and we've actually done this for studios sometimes. We've sent us these things. So we had no idea this was a faded parent. Mm-hmm. And by faded, basically a lot of the color was lost. So the only thing that really came through was the reds. Wow. Um, so everything had a hint of pink.
1: There's a which, lot of red in that movie, though. Which <laughs> I was just going to say,
0: <laughs> for them gory scenes, yeah. oh boy, did it work. That, uh, but a, the
2: music was there. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Right. And that Ennio Marconi score, oh, yeah. God, it was good. Yeah. Were you,
2: Did you come up with the thing? I, I missed it, but uh, I I probably have watched the thing in the last year, maybe five, six times. I share that enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I was busy that night. Uh, I'm glad because I probably would have been one of those people turned away.
0: And I would have been that guy saying, uh,
2: sorry, sorry, buddy. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's an interesting question, though, if I could ask. I mean, why do you think that film in particular – has such a loyal following, such a rad following. When it came out, right, it was a big bomb, right? Wasn't it a sort of a commercial? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, it, it, that's that's true cult, right? When something catches fire and basically – not catches fire, but like over time it, it, it grows and like people are like, how did we miss this? Why didn't we go see this in the theaters? This is really damn good. And then what happens is you have to convince people to see the movie and then once you do you've turned them on mm-hmm. oh yeah like i have this 14 year old nephew i love the kid dearly uh he's into horror films right now and he you know he takes my advice from time to time of movies that i, I recommend to him and he will not take my advice for the thing hmm. but i forced him
1: the oh, other day because i was you. hanging
0: out with him and he turned to me he goes. That was really damn good. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, why wouldn't you take, why wouldn't you, like, listen to me, of course. Yeah, I looked old and schlocky, Mm and you know, that kind of stuff. But honestly, it's like you have to force people. And then once they've seen it, they love it. So I think there's something, and I don't know what it is that turns people away from this. Mm -hmm. Even when there's people like me screaming and hollering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go see the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, Diane, who works for us, uh, she'd never seen it, but her son dragged her. Oh, yeah? And so I, I talked to her in the office the next day. She like, loved it. Holy, that was really yeah. good. She's like, it was so tense. And I didn't even care about the pink thing. It was just really good. And she yeah. couldn't. She wanted
2: to talk to me about it for like <laughs> 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I've seen the movie probably 50, 60 times. And still, I'll just say that defibrillator gets me every time. Every time still. Every time, and I'm not going to say anything more, right? Exactly. <laughs> but it's funny because I I um I bought the game. You know, Mondo put out that board game. I think we
1: have it actually. We have oh, it. awesome! You're sitting yeah, right by it.
2: <laughs> that's great. And I hope people sit here and play it and scream at each other. It's awesome. <laughs> but it's funny because I was playing it with a friend of mine. Who had never seen the movie, so we were trying to explain everything to him, and then we just stopped mid-game and we're like, "Actually, just hold on," (laughs) and we had to put the movie on. We watched the movie for uh, you know an hour and a half, however long it is, and then we started the game back up. And then he was extra motivated; he knew everything. (laughs) And I will say, like, you know, shout out to Mondo and whoever put that game together because they did a really good job. It it captures the spirit of the movie so well. That's
0: funny. It's funny because I didn't know that this game was coming out, but Buck knows how much I love the thing. and when he sent me saying, "Hey, look, they made a board game," I was just like, "Oh, we need to add that to our collection in the lounge." Uh, and so he was like, "All right, I'm buying it." And I was yeah. like, "Great," because I that see people play fantastic. it. It's
1: a it's um it's a, a well used game here. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, the things been was a, I think the surprise of this year's uh, seventy millimeter fest. Like we should have gave it more show times. You always learn those things. We've had we had we had I think one dud, right? Which is like you hear about a seventy millimeter pramp and you're like, okay, this is never shown, so you play it, and it was Year of the Dragon.
1: Oh, yeah. You just
0: didn't get an audience. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay, you know, because for us – that's the whole thing with a film festival, right? You're going to play the big winners and you're going to play the little obscure things that people don't really talk about anymore. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's a reason why they don't talk about Year of the Dragon. I heard a few comments and reviewers. Um, but when it comes to 70 festival, there's such few 70 prints that I think we just go out of our way to show everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I don't think we'll be bringing back Year of the Dragon anytime soon. But people love Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. And there's still a few more showtimes of that.
1: West Side Story was beautiful oh, as yeah. always. God, you guys, if you have not seen this print, I'm telling you, it's... Do you feel like there's like a same group of people that come
0: every year to I'm it? Sure. You know, I'm sure. I'm one of them. I <laughs> swear I recognize the faces. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and then so we, we uh, so if you're getting this in your feed, it's Wednesday and you still have two more nights to see 70mm films. We hope you come out um, because it's fun. And if you don't, Guess what? It's an annual tradition, so we will bring it back, and hopefully we will find some 70 millimeter you've never seen before. I just found out that there's, a, there's supposedly a Back to the Future Part Two. Oh. 70 millimeter print. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. So oh we're boy. now on the hunt for whatever the hell that is. Buckle up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, okay, what else are we currently playing? Oh, my God, Mandy. Dear Lord, Mandy. Uh, yeah, Mandy... Yes. Okay. Mandy's wild and crazy. Everybody's talking about it. Some people are seeing it for the third time. Your friend Andy is
2: yeah, seeing it. Yeah. My friend has seen it three times already. In fact, I think he saw it three times just the first weekend. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. I hope. I hope he paid. All three <laughs> oh, I'm times. sure he did. Yeah.
0: Um, yes. Well, guess what? It's going to hold over through October fourth, and I know you've been wanting to know this, so here it is. Starting on Friday, so Friday through Wednesday, there the nine thirty showing of Mandy is in the big theater. It was never in the big theater because our 70 millimeter prints were the big theater. You can't put that anywhere else. Manny just happened to open against 70, which was crazy timing. We didn't, we didn't plan for this back in January when we, when we opened, when we, when we put, when we slotted 70. So uh, Manny's going to hold for a third week because it damn well deserves to get a third week based off the business. keeps selling out. And it's going to be in the big house for the nine 30 show. So, you know, for those who've missed it, come at 9 30 you're not gonna get turned away for those who've been waiting and bugging me personally <laughs> uh about when it's gonna play the big house guess what We're, we got you uh this friday i feel uh, like um are you gonna see it
1: i i don't, I don't know if that's up my uh my alley Ooh. oh i don't know i don't know but um i will say this i feel like uh this is like Nicolas cage like in his like best role probably because he's so crazy and over the top yeah
0: which I love me some over the top yeah. page
2: yeah he really has to be unhinged too, right really. yeah then come alive in the part yeah mm-hmm. and Buck
0: was telling me this is if you look at like a, like Metacritic or like Critic Reader like kind of like, like aggregates this is his second best rated performance wow <laughs> based on like what people are saying about it wow uh, but no, he I, was like made for this movie.
2: I, I believe absolutely that. love
0: yeah. over the top cage. Uh, like one of my favorite, like over the top cages, and he doesn't do it all the way through the movie. But there are certain moments in it that are so amazing. Uh, is this uh, uh, bad, uh bad lieutenant port of call New Orleans? It's the Werner Herzog uh, bad lieutenant movie. Yeah, uh, with you know not the Abel ferreira Right, and uh, that is there. There are some scenes in that that have some in, in, over the top cage that I think are just the. What exactly you want in an overtop cage. And I always like to reference that as like, because there's so many great over the top cage movies.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think uh, Doggy Dog that came out last year, the year before, I actually really liked that one. That was also really unhinged. And uh, from what I understand as well, I couldn't, I, I didn't know what was going on with him near the end of the film, but then I, I came to find out it was like him trying to do his Humphrey Bogart impersonation <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> And then it all clicked, and I was like, this guy's a genius, you know? I thought oh he just had some s- some stuff in his mouth or something. And I'm like, no, he was doing Bogart. That's awesome. Nick Cage doing Bogart is – I'll take that. I can't take it seriously. Take that. That I is- love that. That's yeah.
0: perfect. I think the reason why I like Port of Call, New Orleans, is because uh, Werner was trying to get a little Klaus Kinski out of Cage. Oh. right. Which, which Klaus is already insane. Yes.
2: Uh. I suppose Nick Cage could be – in a certain respect, I think he is kind of the inheritor of that Kinski sort of yeah, career but, trajectory. But he's
0: less – from what I've heard, he's less – he's more stable off-camera okay. than Kinski it was because I heard Kinski could also be insane off-camera. Oh, yeah. Like because oh, yeah. like part like part of his camera – like on-camera and off-camera was also just insanity. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, And I heard Cage is a little easier to deal with. So, so yeah, I bet he's like the Kinski of our time. Right, yeah. but, uh, but he, I guess he's not that crazy off-camera.
1: Too bad. Uh, that I mean, sounds, that's was, the world. If he was, he <laughs> would just
0: add to the mythos that is Kate Cage. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And all of us would just talk about him more if we had time.
1: Nick, if you're listening, go crazy. Right.
0: And also, if you ever want to come out of the Music Box, I will do a Cageathon. Absolutely. Cool. You're invited. You can pick the films. I don't care. Or we'll pick them for you. Uh you probably couldn't pick any bad ones. Um okay, so that's what's currently playing. I think we should come into what 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 do we have up this week? And there's been uh, there's been a lot of good things that we've been waiting for to happen that are that are kicking off this week. And one of the one of those is a theatrical film we're opening uh, called Pick of a Litter. And I say this is something that we've been looking forward to because I know that Claire has been just <laughs> chomping at the <laughs> bit to talk about. This is my kind about of movie. This movie. So Claire, would you please tell us well, one, what Pick of the Litter is about, and two, just a little bit about why people should see it.
1: Sure, of course. So Pick of the Litter is the feel good movie we all need right now, you guys. I'm telling you that. It's, um, it documents the, um, this litter of puppies from literally like the day they're born, uh, through the guide dog training program. So it kind of shows how, how guide dogs are trained um and they follow this the group guide dogs for the Blind, which is uh, based in california um but they they give dogs guide dogs to people all across the country and even in canada um and yeah it just kind of documents and they're puppies like how Aww. great is that they're these cute little labs and they each have their own personalities uh, not all of them so make it of course because it's you, i mean that a spoiler <laughs> That's called the pick of the litter right <laughs> um yeah it's it's just it's really interesting to see um how they're trained and then also to remember like they literally save people's lives mm-hmm. um I'm not too familiar so is this a documentary or is this a sort of docudrama? it's it- a documentary okay. so they they follow the, literally the the puppies the litter and like their training uh yeah it's
0: Wow. Suck. And so, do they follow them with different like families that they get placed
1: in? Yes. Okay. Well, that's the other thing. So many people, volunteers and trainers, like go through the dog's life um, in order to get them to like where they they're finally graduated and a guy and a guide dog. Okay, which is really cool. Yeah, it's great. Okay, I definitely so, cried a little bit.
0: Okay, so so tell me about this about the documentary. You said you cried about lot, which is exactly what I was going to ask. Does it <laughs> does it overtly play the heartstrings? At, like, like, does it just like try to do that on purpose? Like, kind of like in a, oh, I see what you're doing there. Or is it like kind of naturally done?
1: I think it's naturally done. I, I, to be honest with you, I also just cried because like they're puppies. <laughs> like that, like, I, and I just get, I'm just like, puppy.
2: <laughs> you know, it's funny though that you bring, I, I think because it's just something that dogs bring out in people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was just out with um, someone the other night. And they were actually telling me about there's a website. I think it's called does the dog Die.com, Oh no. And it's, it's like a database specifically about movies. If I'm explaining this correctly, um, where you can go to look up before you watch the movie. To find out and prepare yourself, so it's like, oh yeah, there's a dog that gets killed. No, in that, that field. really does bother me. Totally or or like totally skip this, the movie. It yeah, that's really I mean. that really does
1: bother that, me, that, though.
2: From, from what I understand, this website is for you. That, yes. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I, no, I think, no. I,
0: I, I, never used to have that problem. Then I had, I have dogs now, and I remember when I saw Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, the Greek filmmakers' movie called The Lobster. Did you see that movie? Oh yeah. Mm. And did you see yeah, lobster? I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, there was a moment in In the Lobster where it like, I it took me out of the movie. Because it was such a brutal moment and I was like, oh. Yeah. And like I kind of stuck through it because I knew like this is a smart filmmaker. But God, I was like, did you have to use that? Yeah. Like really?
1: Wiener did dog. You? Oh, that oh, that God. one. That one hurt my heart.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Thank you, Todd Solomon.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: showing showing the low levels of humanity.
1: Yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm gonna have to check out that
2: website. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, um, our family dog would would not be the pick of the litter. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna shame this dog right now. She would be a very bad dog. There's no way she'd make but That's
1: it. okay. That she's career changed. That's what they call it.
2: Yeah. They call it career change. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> right. And she's got a different use. Right, exactly. <laughs> um Is there anything special about Friday or Saturday? Yes, I was gonna
1: say we actually have some some really great groups coming out. Friday night we actually have um Uh, guide dogs for the blind coming out uh, opening night. Um, They're going to be there with a table. We're going to donate a portion of our proceeds to them because they are really an incredible organization. Uh, They deserve to get highlighted in this documentary especially. Um, So they'll be there. And then Saturday we're also having – a rescue come out called right way rescue. I don't know if you guys know that viral Bruno cat that <laughs> he went, he went viral not that long ago. Uh, that is the rescue. And they do a lot of really great things as well. Um, they take a lot of special needs cats and dogs that, um, are, you know, in terrible, terrible, bad shape. Uh, and they provide all the the medical stuff for them. So they need, um, attention and help as well so we're going to donate a a portion of our proceeds on saturday to that as well that's great
0: so you can it's a feel good movie and you can feel good coming right exactly
1: oh there'll be puppies on saturday too what i know
0: if you need a physical fix on top of what you're about to watch puppies puppies and puppies right uh so many (laughs) puppies uh Well, so you, so you, so I'm glad you finally got to see Pick of the Litter. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm glad we're finally opening it. We're hoping to run it for like maybe three, four weeks. We'll see how long we can hold on to it because it's a film we were excited about. You know, we're an art house, but we also like showing documentaries about all types of subjects. And sometimes the subjects can be uplifting. And, you know, that's the great thing about running an art house movie theaters we can show all different types. Um, so I'm excited that we finally get to open this movie. Um, a very different movie than Pick of the Litter, but. In the vein of Mandy, we have Let the Corpses Tan. Now, before I get into Let the Corpses Tan, I must say, uh, and I'm going to butcher the director's names, but they're amazing, Uh, uh, Ellen Katat and Bruno uh, Forzani, okay? Uh, These two filmmakers, I just want to say, if you've seen Strange Color of Your Body's Tears or Amer, then you know these filmmakers, okay? Uh, And go check out their work. Um, and if you haven't, then let's talk about let the corpses tan. So if you like Mandy in the terms of you like that artfulness and you like that it's like kind of a genre film, like exploitation style at, at moments, uh, then you're gonna like a lot of elements of Let the corpse tan. However, let the corpse's tan does not have Nick cage <laughs> and does not have a Nick cage equivalent at all. What the cor- Let the corpse' tan is, it is a basically kind of um, it's a surrealistic, almost overly stylized sort of sh- uh, hideout shoot'em up. Uh, um, kind of, kind of gangster film where basically there are these, uh, these robbers, uh, who have st- stolen all this gold and they go to this, uh, like beautiful, just gorgeous meditate, Mediterranean, like village area where it's like very remote and they have this like artist enclave, like there's this woman who's an artist and she's like hypersexual artist, uh, and most of her artwork is, um, and her like kind of weird, culty people are there and the, the robbers come and are like hey we need to hide out here for a while and she's like okay but you're gonna play by my rules
1: oh yeah right nuts <coughs> and
0: by the way i just made an e for this segment uh, <laughs> uh but it's true it fits um and uh and so basically it's this wild kind of shootout you don't know what's happening you don't know what's gonna come next um, the style is insane um, the way he, they shoot it because it's so stylized and edited in that way you never really know exactly what's going on even though it is a linear but because the way they do it you, it feels non-linear mm. um, which kind of makes it interesting and pulls you in in certain ways but if you don't like that sort of artsy stuff you're probably not gonna like it as much um, but if you do and if you've seen their other films I highly recommend recommend this movie because it is
2: wild um, and beautiful and beautiful it's very beautifully shot. I mean, it's goddamn gorgeous. I uh, saw The uh, uh, Strange Color of Your Body's Tears a couple years ago, and because I'm a big giallo fan, and, and I understand that that was sort of an homage in a certain respect, sort of playing in the same way, but with like that Argento style, you know, Italian slasher, Euro slasher film, uh, but of course, their take on it. And I was, to your point, amazed at how that film seemed to, from almost the first instant, collapse constantly into itself where it's just almost this like uh, vortex in which you just find yourself in free fall. Uh, I was really amazed and really impressed by it. So I'm, I'm actually very excited that you guys are going to be screening that. Very excited about that. It kind of also sounds to me like a Sort of more art house version of uh, Alex Cox's Straight to Hell. Yeah, kind of. You know, that playful <laughs> yeah. sort Yeah, of...
0: way more stylized. <laughs> yeah. O- over-stylized. Um, so, yeah, if any of that sounds of interest to, to the you listeners, I recommend Let the Corpses Tam. Um, also this weekend, we have our, an, our, our monthly continuation of our Friday, Saturday, midnights of The Room on Friday night and Rocky Horror Picture Show with Shadowcast on Saturday night at midnight. Um, not much to say. Nothing different about these. I expect them to be a little busier because schools are back in session and we usually see an influx of college kids. Andy, have you ever been to one of our or Rocky
2: shows? I've been to a Rocky. Have not been to a room yet. <laughs> uh, That's my, okay on the room <clears> side. <throat> yeah. But the Rockies are fun. They're very fun. They're yeah. very fun. I, I fortunately didn't get, uh, you know, messed with too much at my first one, so... Good. Good. good.
0: Um, And anyway, uh, for those Rocky Horror fans, our Christmas—our Christmas, (laughs) wrong one. Our our Halloween shows will be coming up on sale very soon, Uh, and I know people are clamoring for those because those are really big. It's when they sell out. Um, The other thing that I've been—I've been really looking forward to—is this series that we've worked together with DePaul, uh, DePaul University, um, and the School of Cinematic Arts. Uh, Basically, uh, we've been trying to figure out a way to work with you, Andy, uh, and to create a series. And somehow we landed on uh, Universal Horrors in this time frame because it was leading into October. And we came up with four great films. Um, so uh, if you would, tell us about the series um, and, then, and then we'll go into the film that's showing this weekend.
2: Well, uh, this series was sort of born, I think our collaboration was born out of um, our DePaul University School of Cinematic Arts interest in creating a more unique classroom experience. I mean, it's something that I care a lot about is encouraging film students to go to the theater more. I mean, it's, it's shocking sometimes to me how film students don't go to movie theaters. And yeah, they'll watch movies, but <clears throat> they'll watch them on a 30 laptop at at home in their dorm or whatever. So I'm constantly pushing them to get out there. And, and of course, I'm always pushing them to go to the music box because quite frankly, this is for anyone, a unique and, and I think vibrant experience. I mean, it's not just going to some dumb multiplex and getting lost. I mean, you immediately feel like you're part of a club. I mean, that, that really appreciates what's happening in terms of, of, of cinema, both old and new. Um, so that was the, the desire for me to sort of, you know, come in here and, and take part in this experience. And then, course-picking universal horror and settling on that was was really exciting for me because I think for horror fans and for it being October in this time of the year, it's so important to look at the genesis in certainly American cinema of the horror genre. and And while you can say that there were maybe some horror films certainly made before these universal ones from the 30s, I mean, it was this series in particular, I think, that in the 1930s with Universal that really cemented what we know the horror genre to be today so we're doing dracula we're starting with dracula then i think we're doing uh after that we're doing uh, the invisible man on october 6th and 7th and i have to say that that's personally my favorite of what we're screening (laughs) for people who haven't seen the invisible man uh it is probably one of the most fun movies I think, ever made. It's absolutely bonkers. Uh, no spoilers, but I think sometimes people forget that in that film, The Invisible Man, like, actually I think kills like a 100 people or something whoa, like that. Whoa, Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. He, like, derails the train wow. at one point. No spoilers, but, like, <laughs> holy cow. It's amazing when you go back and look at that movie how violent it was. And that's what's interesting about these films. Some of them are pre-code. Uh, then after that, we're doing Murders in the Rue Morgue, October 20th and 21st, which is – I think perhaps the weirdest of the four that we're going to watch on a certain level. It's just a really bizarre, bizarre film and perhaps I think the most expressionistic in a sense. Um, And then following that, wrapping it up with The Mummy on October 27th and 28th, which is really just, I think, a gorgeous movie. I mean, all these movies are are really gorgeous and and that's because I think – Uh, In particular, they worked with really talented cinematographers. One name for those people who do come to the series you're going to see pop up a lot is Karl Freund. And Karl Freund was a German cinematographer who was very innovative and influential. Uh, he is credited with inventing the dolly shot and what was known as the unchained camera. Like, can you, he, can you explain what the doll, what the dolly shot is? Yes, yeah, so for someone like me, <laughs> sure, sure. So his whole concept that he came up with was something called the unchained camera. At the time, in the early you know 1910s, 1920s, cameras were really like locked down on tripods. They didn't really do a lot of camera movements. Karl Freund, working in the German studio system at the time, favoring expressionism and a lot of innovation and progressive techniques was sort of like, what if we just started moving the camera around? And then, you know, he laid down tracks, which yeah. is what became known as the dolly shot. And you'd put a, a cart on those tracks and smoothly move the camera along. He also would, and this I thought was really cool, basically created the idea of the steady cam. He would tape a camera to his stomach and then just walk around the set wow. shooting. Uh, oh, man.
0: Back yeah. then, that, those were bigger cameras.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I'm sure he had some back problems later <laughs> in life. But I mean, this guy was For just, the art. It was worth it for the art. Uh, absolutely. I mean, he was a very innovative guy. And so, it's no surprise that when Carl Lamely and Carl Lindley Jr. wanted to kick off and make a, a, a big American horror film, they specifically were like- This guy's going to shoot it. And that is the first film of the series we're looking at, Dracula. Wow. And of course, I'll talk more about it. I'll be introducing these films. I'll tell you more about Carl Freund. I'll tell you more about his his influence in these films and and more. And in fact, I think he also directed The Mummy. So he, he shot Dracula. I believe he also shot Murders in the Room Org. And then he also directed yeah. The Mummy. So Carl Freund's going to come up a lot. And for those of you who are interested in hearing more about this and, and, and stuff, uh, come down. Uh, I'm going to introduce the films. And then, like I said, it's a class thing. So afterwards, we're going to hang out here afterwards in the lounge and just talk about these films and other horror films and uh, try to create a sort of kind of nice little... Get together, nice little chat.
0: Right. So basically, uh listeners, if you're not a DePaul student, you can still participate in these after these back talks or these talkbacks in in the lounge. You're, you're absolutely invited. That's the whole point of the DePaul sponsorship of this series and partnering with them. um But if you could, why should they come see Dracula?
2: Well, I mean. Dracula, I think, we owe everything to Dracula to a certain extent. Uh, For fans of horror cinema, I think, in particular, um, it's beautiful, it's sexy, uh, it has Bela Lugosi in perhaps his (laughs) most iconic performance yet, so even if you're just a fan of the, the band Bauhaus... Uh, you know, you want to understand that song Bella Lugosi's dead and their sadness over something like that. <laughs> Come to see Bella Lugosi in his most influential and iconic performance. I mean, like when you think about vampires, everybody's just been trying to do Bella Lugosi in one form or another. In in I think right. so many vampire films, you know.
0: But if you think about monsters in movies, what it, Bella did with this like seductive, beautiful. uh like sort of a monster who was who had the the ability to be monstrous but also had this ability to have desires and make you have desires and for you to like kind of want to you know like to have a different interaction with an on-screen monster oh yeah right oh yeah i think to me for like if you go back in the history of horror what bella did with the uh, the character is just amazing
2: Mm -hmm. um and he had to fight to get that role.
0: Oh, he did. Right. I mean, he wasn't. They weren't. And he had a fight to keep the role.
2: Absolutely. They weren't like in, intrigued. And then at the. And then now, like you're saying, you look at it and, you know, yes, when you see him up the screen, you understand why you'd go and sort of unlock your window at night, you know, just in case he's out there and yeah. say, well, maybe it's worth it. I don't know, you know, uh, give it a shot. I mean, you're right. I think it is. And there's something really for audiences. I mean, even if you w- look at the film and you go, well, it's not that scary. It's so sensual. It's so seductive on a certain level. You understand that that's where I think true horror sometimes lies in our aversion to pain, but also our sort of seductive fascination with pain. Wow. sounded very Clive Barker Hellraiser there for a second it's okay I like it it's
0: very horror <laughs> yeah. um, so okay so listeners uh, if that's not reason enough to see Dracula then I don't know what else I could do but also if you don't want to see Dracula but you want to see any of those other films you've got three other opportunities everything's on the website and a lot of extras that come with that with specialized introductions and talkbacks so I, I'm excited for this series glad we're working with you Andy and I hope this can lead to more um, let's move on from this week's shows to the advanced ticket notice um, so wow I did not realize that people were clamming to see this uh, this sequel in in a series but there's this uh, new wine documentary called Psalm 3 Um, it's a part of the Psalm series Uh, the original Psalm I remember quite well and it did pretty well it it really brings out the wine enthusiasts the wine connoisseurs and all the, the aficionados and just General wine interest, people. Um, But Psalm 3, we're going to have the Chicago premiere. It's only going to be one screening only on Tuesday, November 27th. Um, And there will be two ticket types. There will be a VIP ticket, um, uh, which I think uh, might be sold out by now because the producers asked us to put it on sale early um, because they wanted to get it in, uh, uh, we had to limit it cause it's in the lounge and it's really expensive wines that you're going to get for a hundred bucks, like really expensive, but the now direct, there's a, isn't
1: the director going to be there and too? And the director
0: is going to be there and a bunch of other people are going to yeah. be there like people cast, from the movie. Think, yeah. yeah. And then a bunch of like sommeliers, like the who's who of Chicago wine are going to be here. So if you want to wow, like talk dang, to these people, and I'm just hang out, <laughs> right? You got that opportunity. Uh, Wine's good, too. I love wine. (laughs) uh, But anyway, so... uh, And then there'd be a GA ticket. It's higher price. It's 25 bucks. But that comes with wine as well, right? So... If you're coming, you're going to get, for the GA, you're going to get the movie screening, the conversation after the movie with the director, to be able to talk to the other wine people there, uh, and you're going to get a a fancy glass of wine or two. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to have nice wines uh, to walk into the movie with. So that's why you're paying the extra price. And it's your only chance to see this movie on the big screen. So, what is this movie about? I have a description. I'm going to read it. I hope this is not too dry. I didn't write it. Um, Here we go. The world of wine hasn't always been the way it is today. In nineteen seventy six, uh, Stephen Spurrier held the Judgment of Paris, a blind tasting where American wines beat out classic French wines and put wine on a global platform. Wine critics like Janice Robinson, one of the most prolific wine wine writers, started to influence what wine people drank. And then there's Fred Dame, father of the restaurant wine list, and the man that made the sommelier profession what it is today. In Psalm 3, these three legends of the industry sit down in Paris to taste the rarest bottles of their careers. Meanwhile, Dustin Wilson gathers the greatest blind tasters – uh, of today in new york city for a screen secret st- tasting similar to the original judgment of terrors with the goal to see if any of the world's pinot noirs can stand up to the greatest burgundies of france in the end both tastings cross with results that could change the wine world forever Whoa. so mm-hmm. there's a cliffhanger for you uh so psalm three this is your advance notice it's on sale check it out uh or Get your tickets in advance because it, it quite possibly sell, could sell out. I am limiting the number of tickets we're going to sell to that because we just can't accommodate too many people with giving out free wine. Uh, <laughs> so I really recommend getting your tickets in advance for that. So you have now been noticed or put on whatever. You know, so. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about – let's move on to another section called This Old Theater. In This Old Theater, as you know, we usually have topics or uh, specific uh, things to talk about uh but considering we had a new guest on um you know i thought we could just let the conversation kind of go wherever um but what i'm kind of curious is andy since you are chicagoan uh and you work in chicago and you're a fan of music box uh
2: do you remember coming i mean do you remember your first music box experience i do it's it took me a a second to really I, i mean, been here so many times to go when was the first you know um And I I came to realize it was actually at one of the Music Box of Horror events. And then dusting off some more cobwebs, I remember specifically what movie it was. And it was Spider Baby uh, in the big theater at Music Box of Horrors. And I just was like, I remember walking in and there were so many people. And there were so many people hustling around, bustling around. There was so much activity at the Music Box of Horrors. Because from what I understand, there probably were some people who'd been there for like eighteen hours, just <laughs> living in your theater, camped out. Yep, they and were. so some people seemed very—I mean, they looked like the undead. <laughs> uh, so the atmosphere was great. It was—it was like exactly what I was told I would experience at the Music Box, which was a unique theater-going experience. So yeah, I remember it. I remember it very vividly now that I'm thinking about it and there were people who were applauding during the movie who were laughing who were just celebrating the movie you know they right. weren't just like they a the
0: they knew what they were into absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah.
2: and then I was just in love I mean and then I, I fell in love with the theater and I tried to come back as as much as possible and and have ever since
0: and so, uh, have you have you come back to other things other than horror movies here?
2: Oh, absolutely! Okay. Yeah, I mean, because we have a lot
0: of horror here, but
2: you know, sure. But but you do so many other things that are really exciting. I mean, I was here opening weekend for for Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk mm. because you guys were showing it on seventy miller seventy millimeter, and nobody else around was. I mean, that's to me even cooler than IMAX. And I did see it again on IMAX because I actually quite <laughs> liked the movie. Yeah. But the 70 millimeter experience in your theater was so much more, I think, theatrical and celebratory. And the theater was packed. I mean, it was sold out, I think, pretty much that whole weekend. It was, yeah. And <laughs> it, and that's fun. Were excited. That's fun. Seeing a movie that's a sellout is fun. and And you guys do that. You do that more than... Somebody like, what, like, River East? I mean, not to throw shade or anything, but, <laughs> oh, no, like... No,
0: no, you're just saying, you know, this is, this, that is the g- g- general experience people have at movies, an AMC or a Regal, yeah. right, and Music Box is a little different. I mean, to be, to be honest with you, uh, you know, for me with the Music Box, uh, I have been with massive audiences, like, uh, in Denver, we have this outdoor film screening called Film on the Rocks at Red Rock. so I've seen a movie with 8,000 people, it's wow. crazy, but, um, but it's outdoors, so it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. So I had never been at a, at a theater where I watched a movie with 700 people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the biggest I can remember is like 250, 300, 400 yeah. people that i had seen a movie with, but seeing it with 700 people mm-hmm. and seeing it with an audience of 700 that's really wanting to be there. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Like we, Whether we, they've seen it before or they haven't, they want to be in that seat.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. we really do have some of the best patrons. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, it's, and it's I think special. Th- yeah. the the work you, you <laughs> folks do to also bring in guests. Oh, yeah. And to bring in filmmakers. And I've gone to quite a few of those. Uh, and that's always very unique and special. And I think what also really amazes me is how the guests are moved by the audience, by the crowd. Because they go to Q&As, they go to film festivals in some rinky-dink theater somewhere. But to to come here into a, a hearkening back to the old movie palaces and to have a vibrant live crowd applauding and cheering... I've seen some people who've quite frankly gotten very moved up there. I, th- I think even like Carl Franklin recently, did, you guys had yeah. Carl Franklin and he got very he emotional, got emotional. Yeah. and it was touching. I mean, it was touching for this guy to make a movie 20 years ago and to see on 35mm yep. and a huge audience like it was the first time they'd ever seen it. That's that's really awesome. And then the other really great experience I had that I can think of with the sellout was um, I think it was last year at Cinepocalypse when you had jessica harper oh yeah for suspiria, suspiria. yeah and that, that was definitely crazy. a out and that, that, that was wild was a lo-
0: a lo- a- around the block and around yeah and some <clears> yeah. yeah
2: and of course you know
0: and everybody hung off every word she said because it's jessica harper she's amazing and people love suspiria
2: she was know? a great guest yeah
0: um but yeah uh speaking of box of horrors um we uh we should be getting this out to the world we're almost done with the the schedule of films i think that that actually might like the the lineup like what film will play when uh but we the 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 films are all done but we have a surprise uh because we had a little extra time so we were kind of going back and forth of whether or not we wanted to add short films like so if you go on and you find music box of horrors you can see our list of films whether we want to add short films to kind of make sure we hit that 24-hour mark. But we've got to get past noon the next day. Otherwise, it's not a 24-hour marathon. Well, uh, Will made me wait, even though we've been waiting for months and months and months on this ridiculous thing, and it was driving me nuts. It was so stressful. However, uh, the Metrograph in New York City was doing this Dario Argento retrospective, and rumor was that the screening of opera uh, was going to be the uncut version of The Dario Argento uncut version of opera. Because in America, a lot of Argento's films came over and they were cut. In different formats sometimes. Like, not different formats, but in different... uh, Like, there was different cuts, right? Right. They got cut many times. Um, But, uh, so... The Metrograph not only is showing the uncut version, but it is a 35 millimeter print from Argento's personal collection.
1: Oh, Ooh. that's cool.
0: So Will basically made me wait as he begged and pleaded and like sold by his kidney or whatever <laughs> the hell he did to get them to share this print with us. So after it plays the Metrograph, this uncut 35 millimeter print of Argento's opera is coming to the Music Box to be part of Music Box of Horrors. That's cool. Um, which I believe will be the Chicago premiere because I don't know. I mean, I, I'm guessing that this uncut print has played maybe before in the US. I just don't know because yeah. it's so rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's coming to, to Chicago and it's going to play Music Box of Horrors. Um, this is the Italian ver- uh, version of it. So they're speaking Italian with English subtitles. Um, but it's it's going to be very special. That's and I, I think people are going to be very excited for this. Because uh, opera is an amazing film. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's overshadowed by other films that we like. But really, it, it works. Um, so for those who've been waiting, the reason we haven't set the lineup of shows at showtimes is because we've been waiting on this one film. <laughs> Finally, I literally got the text hours ago oh, wow. saying, it's ours. That's <laughs> great. Because Will was so excited that he got this. Uh, so I just thought, because you said Box of Horrors, that I would let the audiences know that with that exciting little piece of news,
2: man. There's that um, that one that image. It's the the tape and the needles. Oh, yeah, my. with the eyes. Oh my! <laughs> So good,
0: yeah, it haunts you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, you'll have to come out for this year's box of horrors because I really think we outdid ourselves this year, and I and I hate to boast, but this is a great, great lineup. I and mean, we've got Kevin O'Connor coming for Lord of Illusions. Oh he wow, plays Swan and Lord of Illusions. We've got an artist who made these amazing Swan posters. That's You're great. gonna love it. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Don Mancini coming to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Child's Play. Yeah, I heard uh, about that. Which, by the way, people keep thinking we played Child's Play three years ago. We did not. It was Child's Play two. Mm. This is child's play. Uh, And then we have the opera thing. And then we have Body Mouth on 35, which is a a very rare exploitation movie from the early 90s. And people are going to lose their minds when they watch this movie at 4 a.m., I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And this print literally has not left Australia. So this is a very unique print. Uh, And then we're going to have a kick-ass score for uh, Hitchcock's The Lodger. And that's going to start it all off. Uh, Not wow. to mention all the
1: other fun stuff we have. We yeah, got with the vendors, food trucks food
0: trucks, and then trivia.
1: Right, tattoos uh, okay. again. yeah You're gonna get another one.
0: I'll get another tattoo. <laughs> uh, it's becoming a tradition now. It's, it's like every time I exp- I went through a box of horrors with Will, I get a tattoo so that that way I you know I ha- you know I don't know how many I can do. Wow, uh, I love I coming.
1: Start. I love coming into work on Monday the next. The next Monday, I hear all the stories. I don't, I don't, I don't come to it. I don't intend, But well, things get silly at like
0: four a.m.
1: Yeah,
0: right. I mean, like we're all out of our minds. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so box of horrors. It's really it's a special time, and I, and I and I and I can't I can't wait for this year, and I can't wait to see all the people who come out again. Because sometimes there's people that just come out to box of horrors, and they start to become friends. So very much looking forward to it. Tickets are still on sale. Remember, it is a pass, so you buy one. You buy the pass, you can come and go as you want. Even if you're just coming for like a spider baby, you can just see that one pop film with in. Yeah, or get you can spooked come by back. the crowd
2: and then and, pop and it's out. funny. I love <laughs> some,
0: I love some people that like will come for like the daytime shows. Maybe they'll last till midnight. They'll go home and they'll go to sleep, and then they'll come back for the, like the two morning show, like the oh. eight a.m. and the ten a.m.
1: How many people do you think stay for all twenty four hours?
0: Oh, not all of them. I think it's probably like like fifteen percent.
1: I think one of my 20%. I think one of my friends does like stay for all 24 hours which is that's insane yeah,
0: yeah. watch out for some watch see, out for that 15 percent. where you <laughs> see the emptiest number of seats is like because again I, i'm serious people some people come back in oh the yeah morning. i'm sure so where you see the emptiest number of seats is between like 6 and 8 a.m right that's where it, like those are the, pe- the hardcore people the ones that have been there since noon and they're going to stay till noon, right? And then you see a few people come back (laughs) because they're like, I had to go home and get like four hours of sleep. Then they come back and they see like the 8 a.m. I don't get sleep. I'm cranky. I need sleep. Well, these people, they're not like cranky. They're like sedated, like zombies, (laughs) like you said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like nobody gets cranky. They just like... Zonk out, uh, like yeah, and then, like some people get a little drunks, so, like they really pass out, yeah, <laughs>
1: and,
0: you know. And, but they make it through; they just feel like shit the next day, <laughs> and then by the next day they're still in the theater. <laughs> um, where, whereas some people like, no, they've gotten drunk and figure out how to get home, which is <laughs> good, <laughs> uh, you know, and then not like pass out in the theater and get like like carp- like some kind of neck problem. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's a great lineup this year. Very excited for it. Can't wait for everybody. Um, so okay, yeah. So that's this old theater. Um, let's just do a quick, uh, review. Um, so again, we're opening Pick of the Litter, a feel-good documentary, uh, recommended, highly recommended by Claire. Yeah. Uh, and then also Let the Corpses Tan, which is, if you like Mandy and you like that artsy style, come see it. That's Friday, September 28th. Both of those open. Our midnights this weekend are The Room and Rocky, Ho- uh, The Room on Friday and Rocky Horror on Saturday. Our great matinee series with Paul is coming up with uh, Dracula Saturday, Sunday at 1130 a.m. Uh, we've got a lot of other things coming up on the, on the calendar and many other things that you should check out, listener. Um, but as always, Claire, Andy, I want to thank you so much for being on this uh, podcast with me. Of course. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you for having me. And, uh, and dear listener, please rate us. Let us know how we're doing. Or just send me an email or write a comment on our Facebook or whatever. You know we actually read them. We're very interested. Uh, I'm not one of those podcasts that makes you listen to other people's comments, uh, and I'm I'm not hating on them. I just sometimes skip through those on on my podcast feed. Um, But I do listen to your comments and your reviews and all, all your thoughts on it. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you later.